All right. Would you please take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'll also need to, to keep your finger there and go over to James chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and then James chapter 3. Before we get into the message, let's have a word of prayer tonight. Father, thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity that you've given us to be here tonight. Again, Father, I pray that this would be a help and a blessing to these people that have decided to join us tonight, and I pray that uh, you would uh, help it to be a good use of their time. And Father, I pray that your word would speak again this morning, or excuse me, this evening, and that you would um, go before and, and just continue to work in our lives each and every moment of every day. Father, we love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been spending a great deal of time on love and what love is, and we've gone through the book of First Corinthians chapter th- in chapter 13, and we've gotten to the point where we really realize, I hope you realize, if you don't by now, maybe we need to go back through First Corinthians 13, but love is the most powerful thing in all the world. You can't shake love. It is unmovable. It, it, it cannot fail. And uh, we looked a lot throughout the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we've looked through and saw love's actions, what love does, and those are important things. But love doesn't stop at just simple actions. Love speaks as well, and that's the title of tonight's message is Love Speaking. But James chapter 3 is a very important part to start with. James chapter 3, if you'd look with me in verse 6, the Bible says this, And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among your, watch this now, among our members. That's important. That it defileth, look, the whole body. Do you see how it ties together? 1 Corinthians is written to the church. It talks about membership of the church. It talks about the whole body of the church. And setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. The tongue is not a wonderful thing at all. The Bible says in verse 7, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Wow. The tongue is a very important part of the membership of the body of Christ. And here's the interesting thing about it is it is an unruly evil. No man has ever been able to tame the tongue. Very interesting, very important. But we just came off of love and how powerful love is and how amazing love is. And so I want to preach to you a message called Love Speaking because you can overcome The tongue, not with your own power, but with the power of God. And God is love. The things that we say are so important. The things that we say are so important. The old saying is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is the farthest thing from the truth. Because in reality, oh, you may not feel that right now, but in reality, over time, that 
tongue is a knife and it just continues to cut away and cut away and cut away. But the things that we say in this body, in the body of Bible Baptist Church, are so important. How we say them, what we say. They can cut and they can devour. But in the context of love, what does love say? We know what love's actions are. But what does love speak? What does love speak? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse 1, we'll continue through 1 Corinthians. The Bible says this, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In verse 1, it talks about uh, tongues. In verse 2, it talks about prophecy. In verse 8, it talks about prophecies that they shall fail. So I want you to understand that love is far more powerful than all these things, but that doesn't mean these things are useless. So the, Paul has established that, yes, prophecies will fail, tongues will cease, all of these things will vanish away, but love remains. But that doesn't mean that prophecies aren't important. So he says here in verse 1, desire spiritual gifts. You need to have spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. The, the, the greatest of them uh, after love is prophecy. Verse 2, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Verse 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now there's a whole lot of things here. And we're not going to delve so deeply into them and figure out if tongues are for our day or not or all of these different prophesying things that we really, really want to get into. Let's get practical. Very practical. What does love speak? Again, off the start, charity or love is an action. It is the most important thing, especially within the context of the local church. So Paul very clearly states here, follow after charity, seek after charity. This is the important thing. Everywhere charity leads you, follow. Just follow after charity. Let everything be done because of love. There needs to be a passion for love, a desire for it. Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church that they were doing well with brotherly love, but they needed to increase more and more. Hey, concerning brotherly love, I have no need that I write unto you, but that ye increase more and more. Just keep going. You guys are doing a wonderful job, but keep increasing. So the question is this, can you ever love too much? The answer is no, you cannot. Can you ever show your love too much? The answer again is no. So charity is so important. Out of that charity for God flows a charity for man. Out of that charity flows our actions, but not only our actions. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 tells us, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Okay, so we think oftentimes that everything's disconnected. And we think, well, I can show love, but I'm definitely not going to speak love. 
It, you cannot separate the two. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What comes out of your mouth is what's going on in your heart. It's a telltale sign. And boy, have I sat down with some people and go, whoa. There's something going on deeper than what you're letting on in your actions because your mouth is saying so. Out of the abundance of the heart. So hear me, love is eventually going to come out not just in action, but in words. So how is it going to come out? What does love speak? Well, again, love prophesies. Love prophesies. I want you to look with me again at verse 1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Rather that ye prophesy. So, yes, desire spiritual gifts. Desire all the spiritual gifts. But out of all of them, go for prophecy. Go for prophecy. You say, what does this mean? Well, I looked up prophesy. Just so happened in Strong's Dictionary. Guess what it means? To foretell events. To foretell events. And there are people with the gift of prophecy. We, we, if you've ever taken a spiritual gifts test, there are people that naturally come up with the gift of prophecy. And we always give those types of people the allocation of speaking what is on their mind. Don't we? Oh, they have the gift of prophecy. They, they speak what they think. That's not exactly a good thing, let me tell you. Okay? Because often, though you have the gift of prophecy, if it's used in flesh... It's not a good thing. Okay, there's, it's a spiritual gift. And so here's what I want you to think of prophecy. Listen, prophecy of old time was like Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and, and Daniel and all these guys who foretold the future events. But I believe this with all my heart that there are people that don't necessarily foretell future events for a world, but they can see things in people, they have a keen perception for how things will play out. For instance, if you keep going down that road, you will end up here. That's, to me, the modern-day gift of prophecy. Hey, you know, somebody could come to me and say, hey, listen, I see you going this direction. I see you walking down this road, and I see it. I'm concerned and I want you to think about this. If you continue down this road, this is where you will end up. Is that not foretelling events? Yes, it is. 100% it is. No, it may not be exactly what we thought it used to be with Isaiah telling the coming Messiah is, is going to come in Isaiah chapter 53. It's not that. But God uses individuals to foretell events in people's lives. So the spiritual gift of prophecy, I believe, is a necessary and valuable gift. So Paul is saying, go after that one. Why is he saying that? Why not go after tongues? Why not go after speaking in tongues? I mean, so many of us, uh, especially Pentecostals, speak in tongues. Hey, this is what we need. This is the sign of the Spirit in our lives. We can speak in tongues. But Paul very clearly gives us an answer to this. Verse 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, look what it says, but unto God. Tongues is not to speak unto men. In this instance, it is to speak unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Verse 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men. Hello. 
One speaks to God, the other speaks to men, to edification and exhortation and comfort. Prophesying speaks to edification, to exhortation, and to comfort. I want to look at these three ways that love speaks. Again, we're in the context of love. You have to understand that. Love speaks in these three ways. And so a prophesier is somebody who is speaking. Somebody who is telling, telling future events. What are we supposed to speak? Number one, we are supposed to speak edification. Now these are big Bible words. Let's break them down. Strong's Dictionary defines edification as architecture, structure, building. Architecture, structure, building. Let's put it this way. Love speaks to build. Love speaks to build up. So often, so very often, love, excuse me, most of us want to speak to tear down. Love does not speak to tear down. Let me say that again. Love does not speak to tear down. Love speaks to build up. I have a very active imagination. And I think about these things and how they work. I can literally picture a tongue that creates a sculpture. I can also picture a tongue that is like a sword and cuts into that same sculpture and literally cuts it apart. That is the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue can either build a beautiful sculpture or it can completely decimate it and cut it to pieces. That's the power of words. Words have the ability to build or to cut down. Now let me illustrate this. Growing up in the church that we went to my entire growing up years, just before the special would come to sing, someone in the congregation would pray. Pastor would call out on somebody and that person would stand up and pray. We had this wonderfully crazy, shall I say, old lady that sat about halfway back on this side. We just had two sides. She sat about halfway back on this side and for whatever reason, we always sat a pew or two behind her. And I remember every single service during that prayer, this lady in particular would look up and see who was singing the special. And if it happened to be the pastor's wife, she would lean over to the lady she was sitting with and ever so loudly whisper, Oh, I hate when she sings. She's terrible. I'm not kidding you. There was no, you could not not hear it. She was so loud. Now let me ask you, was that building up or cutting down? That's cutting down. But literally every time she would look up to see who was singing, rarely did she say anything positive. It was always negative. She always cut down. Same scenario, but if you flip that around, the same old lady saying, oh, I love it when she sings. The difference is powerful. 
The difference is between getting up completely deflated to sing for the Lord your God or getting up encouraged and edified and built up and excited about what's going on. That's the power of words. Now listen, I think our pastor's wife at that time was good enough to overcome that. She would get up and sing. And she, would, she actually had a pretty good voice. And I remember thinking that she, I feel so badly for her. That this lady would say that. And so, yes, you can overcome some things. But listen, your tongue should edify. So the question is this. So does that mean I can never say anything bad? Does that mean I can never say anything negative? Well, let's go over to Ephesians real fast. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says this in verse 15. But speaking the truth, that's where most of us want to stop. But speaking the truth in love, watch now, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Notice those three words, may grow up may grow up it's the the speaking the truth is to help someone grow up into christ to build him up or her up into christ and so no the bible is not suggesting that we never say anything negative and try to correct but it means that we speak the truth in love let me ask you this when you approach someone and you're giving them the truth. What is your goal? What is your intention in giving them the truth? Oh boy, we could spend so much time here. I have thousands of examples of me personally saying things that are true, that we're not in love. Because I said something that I, because I wanted to get a reaction or I wanted to get something for myself. We do this all the time and we, we use the excuse, well, it's true. I didn't say it wasn't true. But there is a way, there is a time, and there is a place. My mom always used to say to me, Johnny, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I still to this day struggle with that. It's really, I I mean it in all sincerity. I mean to be kind, but for whatever reason I come across harsh. I come across, my mom used to say, with no finesse. And I hope I'm learning, and I hope my mom would say I've grown a little bit in the 15 years since I've left the house just about. But all of these things compounded. Listen, when we speak, we ought to be speaking to edify, to build up, not to tear down, not to cut down. Is your goal to tell them what they need to know? Or is your goal to lovingly see them grow in Christ? Hey, they need to hear it, brother. Well, that's maybe true. But are you trying to edify them in Christ? I I mean, I've grown up in the day and age where you just said what you said and that was it. And I know people who have walked away because of the lack of love and I get it. 
And I'm not trying to say, oh, we need to be all lovey-dovey and never say anything negative. But listen, sometimes love has hard conversations. Love comes and says, listen, I see you go in a direction and we need to talk about this. And in humility, let me love on you a little bit. Listen, I am thankful for people who love us enough to come and say, I see something. I see where it's going. I see what's happening. And I just want to warn you, I am so thankful for that. We need to edify. Edify, build up. And the second point to me is in addition to edification. In addition to edification, number two, I want you to see exhortation. Exhortation, again, a big Bible word. Edification, build up. Exhortation, Strong's Dictionary defines exhortation as to invite or to invoke. To invite or to invoke. Again, jump down to verse uh, 3 of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. The Bible says, But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and to exhortation. Exhortation, to invite or to invoke. It gives the idea of challenge. Let me challenge you with something. Again, I am the type of person that loves a good challenge. Hey, I want to challenge you to read a book a month. Let's do it. I want to challenge you to exercise every day. Let's do it. I'm up for a good challenge. Listen, this, Paul uses this word in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Why? This is your reasonable service. That word beseech is exhortation. I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm challenging you. We can put it into a verse. It'd be Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I'm inviting, I'm invoking you to be better than you were before. Sharpening. The goal is to challenge the other person out of love to grow in the Lord. So instead of dulling them, you sharpen them. Use your words to encourage them to be better. Use your words to encourage them to be better. Now, understand, this is different for every person. Every person. I am different than my wife. How you talk to me is not the same way you talk to my wife. I've had to learn that. Because those are, we're different people. We have different personalities. And so this is different for all kinds of people. I respond very well to a good scolding. I just do. Maybe because I've been scolded my whole life. I don't know. I respond well to that. Listen, there are people that would not respond well to a scolding. That would turn them inside out and make them completely useless. That's doling them. Listen, in order to love those people, you need to know them. And know, listen, we, we talk about it like this. you got to have skin in the game. Skin in the game. Listen, if you come and talk to me, and I've used this illustration so many times. We've had people come to us and tell us what we ought to be doing with our lives. People that we've never had really any contact with ever. And so they didn't have any skin in the game. I didn't know that they loved us. 
Well, listen, my dad comes to me and says, hey, bud, I see something in your life. You better know I'm sitting up straight and listening. Because he's not trying to cut me down. He's trying to build me up. He's trying to lift me up. He's trying to help me grow. He's trying to invite. He's trying to encourage or invoke. So let's get practical. What does this look like? How about this? How about an invitation to know Christ? How about an invitation to know Christ? Let me ask this question. Is there a way that you can do this poorly? Yes. Yes, there is. There is a way that you can invite someone to know Christ poorly. It needs to be done out of love. Listen, we, we often, again, maybe this is older Christianity, but we have uh, invited people to know Christ to put another notch on our Bible belt. Oh, there's another one. When in reality, we ought to be loving them as Christ loved them and invoking them, pleading with them to know Christ. Not just, hey, you're going to die and go to hell. You better straighten up. That may work for some. That's not going to work for everyone. There is a way you can do this poorly. How about this? How about a challenge to stretch your faith and to step out of your comfort zone? Listen, I have had people do this in my life, and man, I am thankful for it. And it never came across as you're a loser. You don't know as much as I do, and I am so much better, and I'm doing this step of faith, and you ought to take after me. No, no, no. It was, hey, I'm going to try something. Would you like to try it with me? That's a challenge to me. That's an encouragement to me. Challenge and step out. How about a challenge to do more? How about a challenge to be a better father or a better mother? I've had people say to me, hey, I'm struggling with this, that, or the other thing to be a father and mother. And I have read or taken a course or something that challenged and encouraged me, and I was able to send that off and say, hey, this was a challenge to me. I hope it will help you. These are all things that we can do, not, hey, you're a horrible father, you need to take care of this. No. Hey, this helped me. Maybe it will help you. How about a challenge or an invitation from the pulpit? Again, you can do this wrong, and I hope and I pray every time I stand here that I don't. I do it properly out of love. Listen, this is what exhortation is, an invitation, invoking. Again, when this is done in love, it is noticeable as well as effective. Every single one of us has been on the wrong side of that. But when it's done in love, it's, wow, that was refreshing. That's the way it should be done. Far too often we want to invoke, but not out of love. We want to kick somebody in the pants, so to speak, but not out of love. That's one thing I'm so thankful that my parents did. They kicked us in the seat of the pants, often. But guess what? I don't remember not one time where my parents did not give us a hug and say, I love you, afterwards. Not one time do I remember them just swinging just to swing. It was out of love. They invoked us out of love. We want to tell people how they are wrong. We want to make them do right. Yet love invites and love invokes. I want you to think about this. Jesus did this in Matthew chapter 11 when he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You know, we think of these come, these are commands. Take, command. But if you look at the context of it, it's, it, it's not that. Because he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? For I am meek and lowly in heart. Somebody who's meek and lowly doesn't say, hey, come, take. He says, come, come. It's an, it's an invitation, not a command. Take my yoke. Here it is. Take it. It's yours if you want it. Do you see the difference? That's the difference we ought to be looking at in our lives. Most of us want to get up and smack somebody across the face with the truth and say, this is what you need to do. You better get up and you better get moving. Some people respond well to that. That's invoking to them in love. Other people, you have to think about what you're going to say, how you're going to say it. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, the Bible says this, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Boy, we like to stop there. Hey, you better be in church every time the doors are open. You better be in church all the time. But look at what the rest of the verse says. But exhorting one another. Exhorting one another. Inviting, invoking one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So much the more. Listen, assembling together in the church and in love is about exhortation. You ought to be challenging me. I ought to be challenging you. Not, not just from the pulpit, on a personal level. And you ought to be looking next to each other and saying, hey, let me challenge you. Hey, this is what, this is what our Iron Man book club is all about. This is exactly what we want to do in this. And ladies, you have things that you challenge each other with, all kinds of different things that we do to try and challenge. But listen, it has to be done out of love. Love exhorts. And number three, if you'll see this in chapter, chapter 14 and verse three, the Bible says, but he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Comfort. Again, comfort from Strong's Dictionary means consolation. I hate the word consolation. Want to know why? Because there's this wonderful thing called a consolation prize. You know what the consolation prize is? It is a prize to make you feel better about losing. Let me say that again. Consolation prize is a prize to make you feel better about losing. Listen, I hate, con I don't want to feel better about losing. I lost. I want to be better. I want to keep moving forward. I don't want to be consoled in my loss. I don't. But listen, that's the idea. And every one of us ought to be speaking to comfort, to console. Love should speak comfort, one that comforts those who are hurting, one that comforts those who are in distress, one that comforts those who are struggling. Listen, we have that opportunity. I love when I get to be a comfort for my wife. I love that. I love when I just get to wrap my arms around her and say, babe, it's okay. It's okay. I'm here for you. I love that because that is a show of love. That goes deeper than saying, Pat on the back from a long way away. Hey, it's going to be okay. All things work together for good. 
It's different. It's an embrace. Listen, not every time that you comfort somebody do you have to embrace. But this is the way you ought to be thinking in your words. It's an embrace. It's a comfort. When someone's going through a rough time, some people would say they deserve it because they probably did something wrong. Yes, I know people who say those things. To friends of mine, very, very hard time. Oh, you deserved it. You must have done something wrong in your life. I know people. Instead, when love is present, your words will wrap around them and just squeeze them and love them. That's what comfort does. That's what love's words do. Yes, 100% love's actions will do the same. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Let's bring this back to the local church. The local church should be a place where love speaks. Let me say that again because I think it's important and I think often we forget. The local church should be a place where love speaks. Listen, sinners are messy. Life is messy. Not even the people that you're sitting next to have it all together. But there are people that will come into this building that really don't have it all together. That are in complete pieces because they've never known anything different. It's messy. It's hard. It's not fun. It's not the greatest joy of your life to walk through these times of difficulty with them. But I want you to understand, love comforts. They ought to be able to come to this place and be loved not just in action, but in word. In word and in deed, where love builds up, where love invites and invokes, and where love simply comforts. I want to close with Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. Let's actually jump up to verse 32. Just to give a little context, the Bible says, And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Talking about speaking. Verse 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. Verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Verse 35, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. Listen, it is so important what words you say. But you can try to tame the tongue. You can try to uh, control it in such a way that nobody knows what's going on inside. 
Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out, and it will usually find you out because of your tongue. You cannot control your tongue. But if you will love, out of that abundance of love, if you have abundance of love for God, out of that abundance of love for God will come an abundance of love for man, and out of that abundance of love for man, you will begin to act in love, and when you act in love, it's going to come out in words. It's going to come out in words. So let me ask you, how do you speak? How do you speak? Do you speak to edification? Do you want to build up? Do you speak to exhortation? Do you want to invite and invoke them to be better? And do you speak to comfort? To just console, wrap your arms around them and let them know, listen, that ought to be what goes on at Bible Baptist Church. Far too often, there's the whole other kind. Did you see what they did? Have you seen what they, have you done what they did? Have, you can just go on and on and on and on and on. That's not what love does. Love builds up, love invites, and love comforts and consoles. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us. Father, we love you. Thank you for being the perfect example of what we should be. And Father, for times in my life, far too often than I care to admit, that my mouth has spoken corrupt evil. I pray you forgive me. Father, for those that have come to me, spoken out of love and challenged, Father, thank you. Thank you for giving them the boldness. Thank you for giving them the words to say. Thank you for the love. Father, may we all be like that. May we all surrender our tongue to you. And in love, speak to edify, to exhort, and to comfort. It's got to be you through us. I pray you'd help us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.